gets better. Say that it gets better. O-P-S, I'm O-P-S, I'm gay-ish. Hello everyone in the podcast universe, this is Gay-ish. The podcast that's an oddcast. How long did you work on that one? You know, it was a real quick <laughs> workshop session today in my brain, and we just landed where we landed, and that's how things go sometimes. Whew. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. We're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality, and today we're going to talk about games. Gamers. Gamers. With a Y. There's a Y in there. Gamers with a Y. Y-A-G. Wait, why? And then if you go backwards, it's Y-M-E-R-S. Okay, great. I wanted to spell it from the middle. All right. Well, okay. And we're going to have a guest. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a guest, Matt Baum. Um, He does a podcast. He does lots of gay things, including like uh, YouTube videos, (laughs) YouTube videos, (laughs) gentlemen. Um, He does a podcast called The Sewers of Paris. Um, He has a drag queens and Dungeons and Dragons podcast. So he's called Dungeons and Drag Queens, right? Yeah. Great. That's that, that sounds right. It's Great. something to that effect. We can ask him about it. And he is very into the gaming community. So um, we'll be talking about to him a little bit more about gamers where I don't really feel like I know too much. So other than my my research that I did. So, yeah, your extensive, extensive research. Yes. the <laughs> I spent one more minute on it than I did on my opener. Um, but first, but first, uh, some news. Oh, wait. What? No. Okay. Well, newsflash. Thanks to Kendra Thompson. That's one piece of news. Um, she, I assume she, I guess. Kendra seems like a female name. Yeah. She did not provide her pronouns. But. Nor did we ask. Right. Um, Kendra is a person that I assume I didn't even ask if this person is a person. Um, Ken, anyway, thanks, Kendra, for your donation on Patreon. We appreciate it. Um, you're helping us stay mm, on Patreon. M- mediocre <laughs> Medium quality. Medium to, to good. <laughs> Just like my steaks. Yep. Um, okay, that, that was my news. Do you want to say news? Okay, I'm going to say news. Okay. Uh, first of all, Kamala Harris. We're going to practice saying her name. Kamala. I saw you post on Harris. Facebook how to pronounce it, and I was like, great, now I can revise how I'm saying it in my head, because it's not like I was saying yeah. Kamala. Okay? Lots of people say Kamala. They are incorrect. Please fix it now before she becomes leader of the free world. <laughs> Kamala Harris. She's going to rule Australia? I, I don't think they're free. They're, they're still, not? They're still, like... They're still trapped on that island? I, yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> lost was about Australia. Okay, great. Kamala. Kamala Harris, uh, who is... Uh, Junior senator from California, and she is going to be running for president in 2020. She announced it today, which is Martin Luther King Day. And um, already there is, first of all, I heart her. Okay, I don't know that much about her except California. Every time I hear her speak, it makes me want to hug her. Mm -hmm. And Ellen likes her. <laughs> the decider yeah. has decided. Um, but uh, apparently, there there's some some already some pushback on her trans rights record. Oh, I saw something about this, and okay, yeah. So she was the attorney general of the state of California for six years, from 2010 to 2016, when she left that position to join the U.S. Senate, which is where she is now. And so the decision that's getting the most flack, she argued against the rights of two 
prisoners that were being held by the California Department of Corrections saying that they should not be allowed to have gender reassignment surgery and argued that in court because as attorney general, that's what you do. <laughs> not be allowed to or like funded by the government? Um, in 2015, trans inmates Shiloh Quine and Michelle Lyell Norsworthy were prescribed gender confirmation surgery only for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilita Rehabilitation to refuse to cooperate. Um, a U.S. district judge ordered the state to allow Norsworthy, who was in prison for second-degree murder, to have the surgery. Harris appealed the decision to the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. She said that denying her surgery did not break the Eighth Amendment, which is the no cruel and unusual punishment mm. part of the Constitution. Basically, that by keeping this woman imprisoned and not letting her transition, that was cruel and unusual punishment, was mm. the argument. And Kamala Harris said, um, n n no. <laughs> and um, keeping her in a prison that was a men's prison, right? I think, like, she had to stay in the, like, not let her in the women's prison. That's a good question. That I don't know. I, I might have read that, or it may be something unrelated. Well, so here's here's the... I mean, I, I, I think that we've made it clear that, that we're allies. I'm an ally, I, th I think. Like, we fucked some stuff up, but I'm an ally of trans people. Yeah. I, I try pretty hard, I think, to, to um, look out for them and, and say the right things and do the right things and put out the right message and be a good ally. There so, seems like some, there's something coming after this. I hope that this does not compromise that when I think at least this case does not an anti-trans person who shouldn't get the nomination make. Hmm. I, like, Why do you think that? I think because the law is very much like I am in that it's black and white and the, it doesn't matter what you think or what you feel or what you believe. If you are a good lawyer, if you are a good judge, it is black and white. And I, I think that if, if her responsibility under state law was to prosecute this case and take that position and she, <laughs> I, I think that that, that doesn't, mean that she's anti-trans and hates them and in fact her record on trans stuff has been exemplary mm. since becoming a member of the u.s senate gotcha um and i i just i i think that we lose the nuance of what's going on like a person is for whatever reason put in a position where they have to argue devil's advocate style the quote-unquote wrong side of history I don't think that that makes them a bad person and I don't think it disqualifies them from president. Um, I guess I have a little bit different view in that I don't think it disqualifies them. I think looking at the bigger context of their trans history, which I haven't seen, but you know, you, I, I know, you know, Kamala more, <clears throat> um, much more than I do, but um, I don't, I would, I actually would say that probably most lawyers and legal professionals would say that, the law is not black and white. In fact, there's lots of interpretation that has to be done of very gray or like it seems straightforward, but then when you go to interpret it, that's why we have the entire legislative branch because it is not that black and white. So that's why we need the courts um, and to look back at rulings to help us make those decisions. Sure. And so, um, you know, I, I still agree that like taking this in context with her bigger views is important and it's also okay for I clearly don't know the headline of this and not really all the details, but it's okay for her to have fucked up. Mm. Mm. If, mm. if that was, if she made the wrong call, um, it's okay for her to have made that, those mistakes. So I think it's so new that like, 
it's worthwhile to stick with, you know, hear what she says about it. Hopefully she'll be asked about it or, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I definitely, I'm the type of person that has not chosen sides irreconcilably or yeah. irretrievably. Like if more evidence floats to the surface that suggests that she's a horrible bigot that hates queer people, yeah. then, you know, she's going to lose my vote. And I want to push back on just one little thing. You're right that the law isn't black and white. That's why we argue it. Otherwise, we could just have computers adjudicate everything. Yeah. It's, it, it's not that simple. And if you're the attorney general of, the, of a state and that state is sued, it is your job to represent the state mm. in court. So if these prisoners under a policy were denied transition surgery and they sued the state... It is her job to defend the state, yeah, regardless of her personal feelings. Man, I have such a hard time with um, even myself, like doing things that I don't necessarily like. Helping marketing for an organization that sells guns or gun supplies. I'm yeah. like, I mean, anyway. So I have, I wrestle with that myself, yeah. much less with other people I see. So um, we'll continue to follow this story and and see what we got. Up. And a long, long presidential run, I'm sure, <laughs> up ahead. So there'll be plenty of time. Um, let's see. Next, apparently there are some high schools in the U.S. that are being studied that are blocking LGBT plus advocacy websites in their oh. libraries and on their internet, intranet, intranets. Wi-Fi. Their Wi-Fi. <laughs> um but is it because they're saying it's porn? It, like it's categorized under the porn filter? All sc- so one school said we've just blocked all websites under the category of alternative sexual lifestyles. Oh fuck. Okay, there's some that I saw that like the none of this is any good, so there's no good excuse. Some that like just put the word gay right. lesbian as porn. Right. Because that's all, all they can imagine a kid looking at gay porn, so Right, exactly. And and I don't know I I don't know I don't know. <laughs> um, so the, the the problem is further compounded by the fact that a lot of hate groups are not blocked by the same policies. Mm. So they're finding that um, I'm trying to find the list of places that were allowed through, at least in Billings, oh, Montana, Billings, Montana uh, had blocked Human Rights Watch, had blocked GLAAD. Um, <laughs> And then, but had allowed through. I'm waiting for you to say like KKK or something. Oh, churches that are on the the, the list of hate groups. Oh, things boy. like Westboro Baptist Church are fine because they're churches, right? Yeah. Um, <sighs> and and so I, I think it's interesting. People seem to love to hate the ACLU unless you're like, unless you need, want rights defended. <laughs> my my very conservative friends back home call it the ACL Jew which is just horrible <laughs> it kind of reinforces the need for a group exactly. that defends the rights of minorities <laughs> exactly exactly anyway they 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 uh they are taking this to court saying that it has violated the students first amendment rights to free speech and stopped them from accessing support for whatever they're going through personally uh, and I would I that is an important I I really want them to be able to get information access information yeah. The way they need it. Because those are the people that are most vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, so should we take a break? Yeah. We're, uh, we are going to take a break, and then we'll be back with Matt Bond. Yeah. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. 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 Shut up, Kyle. You shut up. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. 
Oh, we'll be back. Are we back? We're back. We're back. <laughs> We're back. We're back. We are here with Matt Baum. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so we... who are you? Why do we care? <laughs> Where'd you come from? <laughs> I ask myself that in the mirror every day. Uh, so I'm a Seattle based podcaster like you. I, uh, do a number of shows. I do, uh, the sewers of Paris. Uh, it's a podcast where I talk to queer people about entertainment that's changed their lives. Uh, I do another show called Queens of Adventure starring drag queens on a Dungeons and Dragons quest. Uh, and I have a YouTube series called Culture Cruise where I look at queer representation on TV and in movies and gosh, what else do I do? I have another YouTube series called uh, Weekly Debrief, where I review the week's queer news. And I think that's all the big ones for now. <laughs> You've also, you have a book. Yeah. You, uh, Defining Marriage. Mm-hmm. And then in the Seattle area, I feel like a lot of people just know you because you're like at so many events taking fi- pictures and posting yeah. those. So um, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Um, we're going to talk about, well, I guess... I had definitively said gamers with a Y, but it might be queer people that play video games or video game. It's not times. as convenient as a term. Like <laughs> queer, like even if you like short, like just queer gamers. It's not as fun as gamers with a Y. Yeah, it's but, yeah. It's like that's clever, and then <laughs> it's like easier to say than everything else you could come up with. But I'll actually mention that a little bit in my section. Um, before we do that, it seems like everything that you cover talks about like gay or queer perspective on mm-hmm. entertainment or, I mean, gaming entertainment, like those kind of areas. Yeah, what, media. Media. That's what, what makes you, what draws you to that? You know, I, that's a good question. Um, I, there's a couple answers. One is like the uh, awkwardly personal one, which is that <laughs> growing up, we didn't have a lot of like contemporary culture in my house. Mm. Like we just did not, it was, it was, it was a lot of Nick at night, but it wasn't like <laughs> we weren't listening to pop music on the radio. We didn't go to a lot of movies. We didn't watch sitcoms and shows that were on. Uh, we watched old stuff. And so uh, you know, like one of those, uh, you know, kids who uh, isn't allowed to eat candy, like when, the, when they go to their friend's house and there's candy there, they just want to binge. And that's how I am about entertainment. I just love the way that we talk to each other and make up stories and stuff. In part, I think, because I, just, I didn't have a lot of it growing up. So, uh, so was, that, was that because of your parents? You know, it was a little bit because of my parents, because they just, that was what their preference was. Like, we yeah. get in the car and we listen to NPR, and that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, but it was also me, like, as a kid, I don't talk about this much, but uh, actually, as a kid, I was um, deeply opposed to going to movie theaters. Oh. Uh, the Something about movie theaters was su- super unsettling to me. So um, huh. I went to, I'm trying to think, uh, Never Ending Story Part 2, when I was probably like eight maybe, or maybe nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a, like a long drought, basically, <laughs> until I was 17 or so, uh, with brief punctuations in there for like uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I think I saw Fern Gully in theaters. Yeah. But I distinctly remember, like, not going to see Aladdin. Like, it was a big deal. Everybody was going to see Aladdin. I was like, I can't. It's in a movie theater. Okay. Maybe a topic is now changed to movie theaters. (laughs) And we're going to analyze this issue. Yeah, it's weird. Wait, why? what What do you feel when you go to a movie theater? 
Like, I, yeah, I've come at this from a lot of angles, and I, I really don't know what the answer is. Um, uh, one of it is that, like, it's very easy for me to be empathetic. Now, that sounds like, oh, what a brag. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sort of like the counselor Troy of, like, m- m- the work that I do in that I... To a fault, I think sometimes put myself in the shoes of whatever I'm watching, and so it's very stressful for me to watch a movie where everything is so heightened uh, and like I'm just feeling I'm doing feelings. Uh, but I think there's what's what's also going on there is the separation from the world that happens in a theater because it's such a womb and it's such a um, like sort of mind control experience <laughs> of like everyone's looking at the same image and we're all receiving the same message at the same time and like the rest of the world is just blacked out and doesn't exist anymore. And I think that made me feel uncomfortable in the same way that clowns make me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That there's a singular emotional uh, valence being projected and the audience is sort of the captive of what is being presented. Um, and what I like about um, media that we consume, like on the tiny little screens that we have in our pockets, uh, or you know, like TV screens or whatever, is that there's a lot more. It's a lot more of a social thing, uh, mm-hmm. where you can talk about it and share it and stop and start and like pause and think about it and have very different experiences and different interpretations. But movie theaters still, to this day, um, make me feel a little like it's not tense, it's not anxious, um, but it is sort of a. Um, I don't know. It just feels like I'm being strapped in for like the Apollo mission or something mm-hmm. where we're a bit like, get ready. We're about to go on something intense. I'm the exact opposite. I feel like if I watch movies at home, mm-hmm. it's basically trying to recreate a movie theater. So everyone mm-hmm. like shut up. Don't talk like talking during a movie. I want to watch is one of my biggest pet peeves and that won't happen. And everything has to be dark and I want to disconnect and just focus on it so i have this giant couch and this big tv and, yeah. and everybody comes over for for uh lots of stuff but uh there there's two rules that there is no talking and you will get the sword mm. if you talk is- during new star trek or new game of thrones everything else fine pause chat go to the bathroom whatever but there's an announcement get your shit together and then you get the sword Huh. That is a challenging experience for me. It's not to say that I can't do it, but um, it's challenging for me not to want to participate in like for me, for me, uh, entertainment and like movies and shows and games and things uh, are it's very much about the um, the sharing of it and Mm -hmm. the um, discussion like as it's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for me, it's much more like a uh, amusement park ride where like when something cool happens, you throw your arms up and yell. And, uh, you know, it's uh, I get the appeal like of um, going into the hypnosis of the screen, but it makes me sort of antsy. Yeah, yeah, but um, nowadays it's it's crazy because two things that are like my livelihood, I've had a strange history with. There's um, the entertainment, like I, where I couldn't go to movie theaters for most of my childhood, uh, and then gay marriage. I worked on marriage equality, like literally on the trial. I went to the Supreme Court. I was sitting in the Supreme Court for the argument in the uh, uh, Prop Eight case, and uh, my partner and I of uh, almost twenty years uh, are not married. Hmm. Uh, so <laughs> you know, I study these things, but very much as an outsider. Huh. Interesting. Well, when you said uh, that you're the counselor Troy, I, mm. I was very glad you said that you didn't just have a terrible accent and a lot of cameras. <laughs> that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like that Brad Pitt movie where he shows his butt. Like I, I, I got there eventually because I've seen some Star Trek. But I'm slowly but surely forcing you to see Next Generation. Very slowly. It's been slow progress. I would wear the counselor Troy bunny suit. I, I think that would be a cute look. Mm-hmm. I. 
assume this is another thing that I don't understand. <laughs> she she dresses like a Playboy bunny in a lot for like like four of the seven seasons. She's just like hanging out at the grotto is, is her like <laughs> uniform. And then like somewhere in season six or seven, they were like, Oh, actually here you go. You can wear the actual Starfleet uniform. And suddenly she was like a command officer. And I'm sorry, we're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. sure. Would you say a playboy bunny hole? Yes. Yes. We're going down the Warren. <laughs> um, okay. Speaking of people who are viewing the gay, uh, media community as an outsider. Mm. Yeah. Good segue, that guy. You're getting medium, better. I don't know. Better than some <laughs> that I do. Okay. So I'm going to jump into my segment where I'm going to talk a little bit more broadly about um, gay gaming or queer gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, part of kind of the that distinction or, you know, what should we call it is gaming gamers as a term isn't just for specifically gay people. It is or can be an umbrella term used by lesbian, bisexual, trans, um, a lot of the same groups that fall into the LGBT or don't, you know, which is why the acronym gets longer and longer. Um, so umbrella term, and it also, as a person that doesn't totally understand this world, I'll just clarify, it's video games or tabletop games. Yeah. Tabletop games are things like, sorry. <laughs> risk <laughs> yeah you do play that on a tabletop <laughs> great okay I'm, all of this episode is me just going to be looking at both of you and like is that a true thing um it's gonna be fun okay so <laughs> i usually come with some kind of data so i'll tell you about the first survey of gamers um, which is done by jason rockwood we always get fun last names <laughs> rockwood he mm. used to be a porn star um play some gay games with him <laughs> um in it was in 2006 was the very first study of i think it was the, even the first study of any kind of subculture of the gaming community mm. and he also is not a gamer so he is viewing this and studying it as an outsider he uh, surveyed 10,000 people. The survey itself apparently had lots of issues like bias and questions. Like he'd ask things like, what level of harassment do you face? Or things that are like very leading questions. Yeah. So I wouldn't necessarily use all of the results. Um, he also even jokes about this in one of his interviews where someone asked, what are the biggest flaws? And he was like, in one of the comments, one of the people said, the design sucks, you noob. You suck. So <laughs> I... Don't read the comments, man. I think when you do a survey, you kind of have to. Oh. It's like the comments of the... Yeah. Um, also, they actually use the word noob, which is funny. <laughs> That's just like one of the few things I know. Was it with two zeros? No. <laughs> not in the... But I don't know if that's this article... Oh, yeah. They writing it, it yeah. or if they were like, why is this too? So who is he affiliated with? He, is he just oh, boy. Okay, you're taking Mike's role of asking me questions yeah. I don't know about. He was affiliated with a uh, university. <laughs> oh, university college. Yeah. yeah. Really <laughs> <with your work. laughs> uh, the human beings. Um, uh, university of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Urbana-Champaign. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one. Okay. Um, and apparently like after this he was gonna like go to grad school and keep studying it so he might have done that i stopped at this so who knows he might be dead um (laughs) some of the a couple of the results that i actually did want to talk about is first of all just the term gamer which matt i think you even mentioned when we were first meeting to just talk about uh the idea so apparently one in five of the respondents um didn't even like the use of the term gamer Mm -hmm. 
Uh, wait, no. Was this term One, gamer with a Y? Gamer, yeah, oh, gamer yeah. with a Y. Yeah. yeah, this isn't coming across gamer. Mm-hmm. No, um, gamer with a Y. No, no, it's the opposite. One in five of the respondents supported the use of the term, so most people didn't even like the use of the term. And were these respondents who were themselves LGBTQ gamers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not. This is also 2006. So I don't know if it's like caught on more since then or not but yeah i would say like it, it results uh, survey results from 2006 would not be particularly applicable to i mean they're useful for talking about in like um, more of a historical context but uh, there's been a lot of change in the last 13 years in this space mm-hmm. what okay i mean you don't have to tell us all of it but what are like what are the biggest changes that you've seen since wow. then um, so I would say, so, um, uh, another of my many projects is, uh, a project called, uh, playing with pride. And, uh, for that, uh, my partner James and I drove around the country and did some international interviews with LGBTQ gamers. This was from, oh, I'd say 2014 to 2017 or so. And so we talked to people who are, you know, just in that space of their queer and their gamers, or they work in the industry or their allies or whatever. And we talked to them about like their experiences and what they face. Um, and it was an interesting time to be doing that because a lot was changing right around then. Uh, there's a lot more representation in games. There was a lot more community that was appearing. I'd say like mid 2000s, like 2006, that was a time when you would have like bulletin boards, like gamer experimentations. And, um, oh gosh, I'm like thinking way back to what even existed because most of them are gone now. Um, in part because the need for them isn't really as acute. Um, there was a, a, a organization called Gamer X that uh, put on some conferences or conventions, conferences, gatherings, um, and so something that's happened in the last two-ish decades um, is that we've gone from a place where gays are either invisible or a punchline in games to uh, a place where you could find them in a sort of um, in the indie space, mm-hmm. and now they're like really getting some visibility in um, mainstream games and AAA games. Like uh, the new Spider-Man game has like a whole thing about like finding rainbow flags, and <laughs> it really took off. Like you just like swing around New York, or uh, is it New York? It's New York, and just take pictures of the rainbow flags that are hanging all over the city. Um, and I mean, that's huge. That is a game from Sony, which is a massive uh, corporation that publishes games. Uh, and this Spider-Man existed. And Spider-Man. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this uh, like is kind of would be shocking by the standards of 10 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's I think what something that's happened is there's a sort of uh, virtuous cycle of queer gamers um, finding each other and organizing online. When they do that, they can speak up more loudly about what they want to see from games. Developers can listen to them and be like, oh, we're really neglecting this segment of our consumer base. Uh, let's do better. And they put more content in games. More gamers see that. They find each other. More gamers find each other. And it just keeps going and getting better and better and better and better. Yeah. Um, this is a talk I gave at the Game Developers Conference last year about the um, uh, called Playing with Pride about like uh, just how much better it's gotten in the last five years or so oh, based wow. on these interviews. Well, that's interesting. Some of the one of the things that jumped out at me in so you know back to 2006 is that people were talking about like basically I don't like what do you want from video games and mm. you know LGBT people were like we don't want like stereo you to put in characters yeah. as stereotypes yeah. I mean I think that's what we talk about in general on, the, on this podcast is actual representation which includes a broad spectrum of what it means to be LGBT not just picking stereotypical features or mannerisms to give to certain characters. Mm-hmm. 
so since then, since it's changed so much, do you think we're on the right track of actually doing that? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of good things have happened. Um, there's sort of, when you're talking about like queer characters in games, there's sort of like pre-creme and post-creme. Uh, Creme was a character in the game Dragon Age uh, who is what we would call, this word is never used in the game, but he, the character is what we would call trans. Um, and this is a game set in a fantasy land um, of dragons and swords and magic. Uh, and there you have a character who, and you are like, you can be 50 hours into the game before you even have a conversation about this. Uh, <laughs> but there's like a line where Krem basically uh, ch- can choose as, as a non-player character to out himself by making a joke or something about chest binding. <laughs> and then you can choose as a player to pursue that and ask more questions. And it's sort of like a trans 101 where you can ask huh. this virtual character all these things about gender expression um, and gender identity. Uh, the, the questions that trans people are always like getting from straight people finally, or cis people, and finally there's like a virtual ask a trans person in this game yeah. in like a fantasy land. That's crazy. It's incredible. Yeah. I, it, that sound that reminds me of movies where mm. like there are just these hints that queer people can pick up on, on mm. th- them being gay, but like chest binding, I don't know that that would speak to cis people or that they'd recognize you know, especially outside the LGBT community, that they would get that's a right. really trans-specific concern and issue and topic of conversation. Yeah. So that's also recently happened Overwatch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Soldier 76. <laughs> yes, yeah. that was... I, <laughs> and Tracer, is, yeah. This was as close as I could get to... I saw a big, like, this news story, and I think I tweeted, like, something like, I'm very excited and have no idea why. (laughs) What I got back from people was it sounded like some, like, a super, like, masculine, aggressive, you know, macho-seeming dude is Mm -hmm. also gay. Did I get that right in this? I mean, that's basically it. Like, Overwatch is in this process of, um, uh, like, slowly over time confirming, like, uh, that that the cast is um, entirely queer. I, I don't know. This is this is my own like story that I'm telling myself that like <laughs> all the characters except the practice robots are queer in some way. Um, and so so far we had like a little comic about Tracer that um, had some details about that. We had something about um, Soldier seventy six. And you know I think over time that each one is going to have like some reveal. I think in reality probably not, but <laughs> it's the story that I want to tell myself mm-hmm, uh, because mm-hmm. they are super queer presenting like all the characters are queer presenting in some way or another that's really cool that those like options are out there and those storylines are out there when you you talk about options i think another thing that's changed or gotten better in the last 10 years is that open world games have become more open that the the choices that you have Mm -hmm. and and the ways that you can interact with the, the the world have gotten a lot freer and so almost every game the protagonist at some point has the option of choosing a romantic interest yeah and most big studios are allowing for same-sex romances as much as they are opposite-sex uh, romances. Yeah. Hmm. They're they're notable exceptions, but but like things like in the Bethesda universe of, mm-hmm. of Elder Scrolls, yeah, the 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 fact that you could choose to hook up with pretty much anybody that you wanted to it is something that I don't think we heard much of at all. 10 years ago no it was very it was seldom that it happened and it was like a huge deal like in fable or something like that fable yeah yeah Mm -hmm. or um mass effect yeah great Mm -hmm. what i i i i don't know a lot about this which is why we have 
Map bomb here to explain it all to us. <laughs> I would say like low barrier to entry on a lot of these games, like Dragon Age. Um, well, Dragon Age might not might be the best. Um, I play that with uh, assistance from uh, from James, my partner, who is uh, <laughs> extremely knowledgeable about like how to play video games. So uh, I was help. It was helpful for me to have a, a guide there. But like games like Overwatch, for example, are relatively easy to jump into and figure out. And yeah, and like the larger ones, like I would say, you know, the the first one um, that just came to mind was. Uh, the new uh, Breath of the Wild, the new new-ish Zelda game. Um, nothing, no queer relationships exactly in there, but there is a segment of that game where the character, uh, the hero, uh, spoiler alert for a game that came out like a year and a half ago, um, <laughs> the main character has to infiltrate a female-only culture and so must disguise himself as uh, a woman. And that spawned a lot of uh, fan art and headcanon and storytelling uh, that was really lovely and inspiring uh, of like this character. Well, what if this character was a woman or what if this character was um, non-binary? And so it's, it's, you know, it's not in the game, but just the fact that it's not in the game doesn't mean that it can't be canon for you. And I think canonicity is a capitalist invention anyway. Wait, you can't end up. That was a big statement. Wait, canonicity is a capitalist invention. Say it's a more. Construct. No, I, I think um, that, uh, you know, this it's sort of like rule that we have of like, um, well, if it's not in the official thing, it's not true. Uh, you know, mm. I, I, and I say this as someone who, uh, for example, has worked uh, for I worked for Darth Vader. I worked at, for, at Lucasfilm for uh, a couple <laughs> of years. Um, so I've worked for big properties and um, those big properties legally own i'm putting own in quotation marks these things but really it's the fans like nobody would care about star wars if there weren't like millions of fans who loved it so it's the fans who i think are really the guardians of that stuff Hmm. yeah i like that perspective yeah um okay a couple more things that i will throw out there from this survey that i think are relevant is first of all the actual respondents on their sexual orientation um the survey dude rock wood um Mm. (laughs) i took back to make sure i wasn't in my head i was like is it rockward or did i I make up a more sexualized (laughs) no that's okay so it was uh if you chart the people on a scale of heterosexual to homosexual it was a reverse bell curve so most people were on either ends of like either leaning more towards the homosexual or more to the towards the heterosexual sure. um, sides of the spectrum. Um, but then if you add that up, like, so 45% um, identified as bisexual. And mm. I think that's like a good 45% of respondents identified as bisexual. Yeah. That is surprising for 2006. I feel like that matches what I've seen in other, like more broad surveys of LGBT people, like how they identify. I feel like there's way more bisexual people just in LGBT group like you you may think of gay and lesbian like gay men lesbian women as like the main ones Mm -hmm. or whatever like but bisexual people make up way more of this than expected and um at least to me yeah in this as well so yeah i think that partly goes into like why the word gamer with a y might not feel right Uh, yeah in in addition to like having to spell it every time you say it uh, it, it, it adds to its disadvantages as as i'm now talking about this on a podcast now i'm recognizing some of those yeah uh yeah it's it's insufficient for describing the people who uh it is intended to encompass yeah which i mean so was the word gay Mm -hmm. in general which is why new things have been 
come up with have been invented. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, unfortunate that we have like your choices are basically queer or the acronym, uh, mm-hmm. the ever expanding acronym, and it's just too much of a mouthful to really use uh, inclusively. Um, there's also uh, the my favorite of the acronyms is um, quilt bag. Oh fuck! Oh, I have sorry. I have strong <laughs> opinions about this. Uh, I like it because it's cute, but also like nobody knows what that means. I, but I hate it because it's stupid. <laughs> I think it just sounds like a quilt bag. That seems like you're referring to a ball sack or something. Like that yeah. doesn't seem like. N- this is what I mean by nobody knows what it means. You say that, and like maybe like a fraction of a percentage of the population will recognize that as something queer. And yeah. This is why, like, I, I go to queer. I, I say queer because I think it's the yeah. most everybody of the terms that we have available. What's quilt bag? What are the letters? Like, oh boy, oh I, I couldn't even tell you. Queer. This is another problem. Queer. Is there a U in there? Unisex. Unisex, Unisex doesn't quite. Fit. <laughs> that's a, like a clothing. No, yeah, What's I don't know. The, the U. I'm, it's uh, the the U is is getting me. Yeah. Is Dan, there, what's quilt bag? Is there a U in LGBTQ? If you go out further, far enough, I don't Seldom think there do is. I see the U. I don't think there. I've seen a U. Un unspecified, undecided, undecided. Oh, where? Okay, it's questioning in LGBTQ. Okay, got it. Anyway, yeah. intersex, lesbian, trans, uh, bisexual, asexual, gay. There you go. <sighs> but uh, queer is easier to say and <laughs> distresses um, boomer gays. But oh well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How much do we care? Um, sorry, boomer gays. We care. <laughs> um, the last thing I'll leave with, which this quote from the from Jason Rockwood, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think still applies and is still relevant. He said that gay gamers experience a double-edged sword of prejudice. The mainstream gay culture and media is not supportive of video games. Mm -hmm. Then you have the video game culture that is not supportive of gay culture. Mm -hmm. So you have these people stuck in the middle who have this double-edged prejudice. Yeah. Do you think that's still... Well, that's relevant. Totally, that's totally consistent with what we found in our interviews a few years ago. Mm. Um, that a lot of people we spoke to said I had to pick one, or uh, you know, we talked to um, gay or gamer, gay or gamer. gamer. Yeah, uh, we talked to a guy, uh, DJ Kirkland, uh, an artist in San Francisco, uh, who said that he felt like he could either be black or gay or mm. a nerd, but not more than one of those, mm. and uh, that really hurts and it sucks. Uh, but it was the case for a long time. I think now a lot has happened to change that representation in the games community uh, and also um, sort of a uh, nerd renaissance that's happening right now where it's like just cool to like stuff that was sort of a liability in the past. So it's just kind of assumed that everybody likes, I don't know, the Avengers, for example. So I I think that has really changed things. And also, I think there's um, much more in the last few years enthusiasm culture um, where it's cool to like stuff in a way that it wasn't. In the past, where it was like, you know, sort of an ironic detachment of um, it's suspicious that somebody or like, um, you know, worthy of mockery if somebody really loves something. Yeah. And I'm delighted that being excited about stuff now is cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I'm I'm really it's interesting. I, I, I see that perspective. And I've always had this thought that people who are nerds are generally more accepting of things that are outside the mainstream and that it's a, a bigger tent than society at large for queer people. I, I don't know, is that just a unique experience on my part? 
I think that's like that is an optimistic read. Uh, I would I do think that like um, nerds and queer people are both. Here's the thing is have like really similar experiences and often similar values. And it is extremely frustrating when those groups don't listen to each other. Hmm. Uh, I think it's really improved in the last few years. Um, But like in 2015 or 16 or so, when we were talking to people, it was a big issue that you put like something queer in a game and people wouldn't buy it because, you know, and, you know, there's a dwindling uh, minority of people who still say that it's, you know, it's pandering to do that or. Um, that it, it it degrades the game to have uh, inclusive uh, elements in it. Uh, but yeah, I think there's sort of a protectiveness that uh, queer people have and that gamers have and that members of other marginalized groups have where if they perceive that something is challenging, what hegemony they enjoy in their margins, uh, then they are, you know, they, they kind of circle the wagons. That's That's not a vocal minority. I think the minority is growing more minor every day, mm-hmm. but I think it was a much bigger issue when this when this survey happened. Hmm. I have some I have some assimilation to do, I guess, to think about that and figure out how I feel. I just always thought band dorks and math nerds and and people who are into sci fi and fantasy all all had much easier time accepting people of of non-standard sexual orientations. It and, would be nice to think uh, so, but there, like a huge harassment problem in gaming that has been improving, but it, it doesn't take many experiences where someone uses the slur that you hear when you are about to get beat up to make you feel like you need to get out of this culture. Oh, sure. Is that faggot? Among many others, yeah, yeah, like I mean, this is another thing that we heard from people is like there was this woman in uh, Las Vegas that we spoke to um, who joined a uh, Warcraft server. Basically, her kid, her son, wanted to. He was like a teenager, like fifteen or so, wanted to start playing World of Warcraft, and she's you know like okay, let's check this out. So she and her wife like got on World of Warcraft just to like see like is this okay? Like, should we allow our child to play this game? Well, within a few months, they're like all gaming together as a family. They're going on raids together in Warcraft. It's really lovely. But she was about to get out of it because every time they got together with a group of people online, often strangers, there would be abuse. And she's like, why am I paying money for this thing where I'm getting harassed? Mm. Until she found... um, Oh, I can't remember the gaming community she joined. There were, there were a couple at the time. I think they're still around. The Spreading Taint was one of them, was the <laughs> name of this group. Uh, but there was there were others. Uh, the Rainbow Guild, I think, might have been one. Uh, I can't remember now. But anyway, so she joined some groups of other gay gamers. And you really, this is what you had to do at the time, is find your click, find your niche, and, you know, huddle together for protection. And, you know, in the same way that, like, gay bars used to be much more important for our safety. Uh, and now... You know, it, you, you don't need the gay bars for the same reasons you used to. Uh, you don't need the spreading taint for in the same way that you used to. It's still nice to have. I still like a gay bar. I still like a space that makes straight people feel uncomfortable. Uh, I prefer it. Uh, but uh, it's not like, you know, this is our only place to gather in safety. We all love a spreading taint. Um, <laughs> I've, I've played WoW off and on for, for many years, and, and Proudmoore is the server oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is the gay server. Mm-hmm. I think there are others now because it has been full at some time uh, you know, during its history. And my experience on Proudmoore in World of Warcraft anyway, go to other servers and there's, there's harassment from some dickhead. But on Proudmoore, if anybody harasses anybody for their sexual orientation they get shut the fuck mm-hmm. down like that's a very well self-policing community yeah and uh 
they have a pride march inside the game every year. Oh. Um, it's it's really it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if it will always be necessary to have a server like that in, in WoW or if it's going to go the way of the gay bar of not being quite as necessary. I think it will always be necessary for us to have reasons to gather because we will always be rare, we'll always be special and um, uh, unique in, in, in a way that there are not many of us. So the things that set us apart will always exist and I think our needs will change. But um, when it comes down to like the camaraderie of your your family, your chosen family. I, I don't think that'll ever go away. Hmm. I just don't think we're going to need, like, you know, Q Patrol, for example, like, uh, you know, or Pink Pistols, or, like, groups that, like, exist to protect us from attacks. Uh, I think uh, challenges from without will, will wax and wane, and I think we're headed in a good direction at the moment. Awesome. Um, well, then, why don't we move, speaking of where we're headed, you mentioned yeah. that you wanted to talk about a recent new story involving the gaming community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is just this weekend uh, as we're recording. There was So there's this issue going on in England right now. England has become particularly turfy at the moment where um, there are a lot of folks who just do not want to recognize that trans is a thing. <laughs> Can you quickly define turf for those who need yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Trans exclusionary radical feminist. These are people who just do not want to grant people the freedom to uh identify as trans uh that they're you know if you are and there's varying levels of hostility and ideology here but basically what it comes down to is that uh the belief is it is uh not possible to be a feminist and support trans people's uh human rights and it like seems like it comes back to trans women are men like that that that's, that's the, idea, the stem yeah. of the belief that yeah, yeah. okay sorry keep so, going uh there's this one particular uh british figure graham linehan who uh worked on some tv shows for a long time so he's high profile and uh he's been very vocal in being unpleasant in addition to having made like a really distressing episode of one of his shows uh where when a character learns that a another character is trans um his reaction is disgust and then a fist fight to uh you know it's a violent reaction which really hits close to home for you know uh, a lot of people um anyway it's horrible mm. So uh, there's a, um, a nonprofit in the UK that serves um, uh, queer uh, serves trans youth called Mermaids that got a government grant. Uh, this guy led a charge to have it investigated and shut down or the money taken away or something. And in response, a uh, games uh, critic uh, who goes by H Bomberman um, just started streaming himself playing the notoriously difficult game Donkey Kong 64. Um, and he said he was going 100% it, which means he's going to do everything in the game. Virtually, uh, it, is, it is a miserable experience <laughs> to try to do this, but it's kind of a joke to be like, I'm going to put myself through this. Literally, he said to spite Graham Linehan uh, <laughs> and raise money as he's doing it for mermaids. Uh, so it took him something like 50, 50 something hours to 100% this game streaming with like some naps here and there. <laughs> and just live streaming himself and one thing leads to another and it gets more and more popular and more and more people see it. Uh, he is relatively, uh, H Bomberman is relatively high profile, but like bigger and more high profile people started coming into the stream. I was at PodCon uh, while this was happening. So I was just checking Twitter and every now and then I saw, oh, Chelsea Manning has joined the stream. That's exciting. Uh, Jim Sterling, who's like a pretty prominent uh, games journalist. Uh, Laura Kate Dale has joined the stream. That's really exciting. Then I saw Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez join the stream. <laughs> what? That's bananas, but okay. <laughs> bananas. Yeah. It's, 
Because <laughs> Donkey, Donkey Kong. Kong. That's yeah. she's the only reason this came on my radar and yeah. actually knew about it. Because uh, I mean, Chelsea Manning might be on, like, might have come up in a new story, but yeah, the. That suddenly a member of Congress is doing yeah. this. Not only coming into the stream, and the stream raised something like, uh, I was around $350,000 for this charity, which is just amazing and life-changing. Yeah. Um, but she comes into the stream to talk about economic inequality, uh, to talk about trans rights being human rights, mm-hmm. uh, and then also to talk about why the N64 is her favorite game console. <laughs> it was an extremely genuine, uh, wonderful moment to hear this this wonderful person like making time in her day to do something awesome. Yeah. Is she old enough for N64? <laughs> she's like 29, right? Oh, she's got to be. Well, maybe she is yes. 29. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think 20, yeah, yeah, so she would have been a kid. Like N64 was like late 90s. So, you know. I had Atari when I was a kid. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, I had a Pong machine when I was a kid, but I wasn't a fan. <laughs> We had newer shit that was better. Strong words from Mike Johnson <laughs> in our episode about gaming. Did you know Pong was a symbolism of heterosexuality? Yeah. Especially because I got that console from my uncle. Is he a heterosexual? Yeah. Ugh. There you go. Ugh. Toxic masculinity <laughs> right there. Um, I think that's awesome. Like, m- more people making genuine... I'm surprised more people don't do that, like she's like a great at the digital mm-hmm. space and how to, how to use that. But it's like, that's like a digital forum of people that, you know, could be supporters or maybe already are supporters. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, that seems like something more and more people need to catch on to of yeah. people who are existing in these digital platforms and go yeah. speak to them and not just about like campaigning mm-hmm. or, you know, combine it with other things like the issues they care about. Plus like, N64 is pretty sweet. Like, yeah. She's so good at it. Like, I'm sure you've yeah. seen like her live streams, like her Instagram, like live streams where she's like just cooking like mac and cheese or something and talking to people <laughs> about tax rates. <laughs> so, I mean, she's just so good at being a person. Yeah. Is, uh, that, is that why Elizabeth Warren tried to be all chill and have a beer with her husband in the yeah, kitchen? Yeah, <laughs> bless him. I, I think. Oh, I think it's it's very nice that, to see, you know, it, that they are that a lot of like Democrats who may not have wanted to or may not have had the interest uh, to meet uh, younger people in that space are seeing that okay, this is where it's headed. Do you think our Twitter? No, no, no. Our Instagram is like Elizabeth Warren having beers with her husband on Instagram. Do we, I, do we come across that way of like, these people are trying to get, we're so bad or yeah, we don't know what we're doing on Instagram. So sometimes I'm like, here's a picture of a shoe. Ever since I turned 40, I just like, fuck it. I have no idea what's going on. This is your job. I know. And I don't know. Do I don't Millennial. know. I don't know pictures. <laughs> I don't do this. I like, yeah, I, Man, me and Elizabeth Warren, we're pretty similar. <laughs> this is just one of those ways. <laughs> okay, but since we started talking about it, what is your favorite console? Oh, gosh, that's really tough. Um, this is going to be controversial, but I really like the GameCube. Uh, it mm-hmm. was not. It, it did. It was not a popular. That's uh, the platform. Kia Soul of game gaming devices. The, oh, oh, oh! Is that the one that looks like a refrigerator? It's like a cube, <laughs> but isn't yeah, it yeah. like just boxy and like it's just a punching bag for? So I like my my aesthetic taste, just in terms of like design uh, of these things. Uh, I like what's that car? The Aztec, the one that looks like two different teams started designing it from either end <laughs> and met in the middle. Uh, so I like things that like have a surprising look about. Them them the gamecube uh was a great design it was made to be like a toy like a lunchbox and it wasn't what was cool at the time like it came out a time when gamers were um 
It was all about like muted camouflage colors and army guys and shooting and uh, big boobs and stuff like that. And there was a lot of like macho posturing and gaming at the time. And the GameCube was cute and it was fun and it was adorable and you could like play Animal Crossing on it. And it was there were a lot of good ideas with that console. Uh, it look, I, th- I think, I think it looked great. And I think they did a lot of great stuff. And I think the Mario Kart double dash, no, it wasn't, was it double dash? It was, uh, is one of my favorite Mario Karts. Uh, I'm very competitive, uh, when it comes to Mario Kart, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not really in practice right now, but there was a period where, um, I would have to go, I could only play online late at night when, uh, there were more players from Korea and Japan on because American players were not challenging for me. Mm. So uh, there was, uh, I was deeply invested in Mario Kart for a long time. Double Dash, I think, did uh, a lot of very exciting things. Mike, what was yours? Um, I mean, in terms of gaming, I've done a lot more on PC than anything else throughout the years. I was going to guess PC for you. But... but that's also not a console. You can pick whatever you want. Um, I have a soft spot in my heart for Super Nintendo, mostly because <gasps> you know yeah. we had NES for however many years, um, for probably like 83 to 87-ish, I'm guessing. Super Nintendo was right in that zone that it came out. And it was just such a leap forward. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't feel like just recycled arcade games. And yeah. it was so much better in terms of graphics and performance than, mm-hmm. than, than the old Famicom NES was and uh I just it just and at that stage of my life I was just so impressed I was this wide-eyed holy shit this is amazing nine or ten year old Mm -hmm. so um I loved it I was that that's one that I still have a fondness for I didn't like keep going like after basically high school of playing too many video games but I do every now and then but since you stole Super Nintendo Hmm. maybe the TI-83 calculators where you Mm -hmm. could play Snake yeah. Okay. I just recently looked up playing Snake again, and you can just like it's base. It's so basic that like the Google result is the Snake game. You just oh, right, play yeah. it right within Google because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're like, we can just serve this to you right here, yeah, here you go. right now. <laughs> and then I started playing that for a while. I think that I was inspired when I saw someone play like the perfect game of Snake, and mm. and it was just like so like soothing to see it like just retrace its own body segments and like pick it up and <laughs> that like, go around. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll live stream myself playing Snake for 50 hours to raise money for yeah. dinner. Do a little um, fundraiser. Yeah. So the I'm going to watch a stream and I'm going to give money because it's going to a charity mm-hmm. I get. Can somebody please explain to me how why people can make so much money just playing video games and people just give them money? Like this is their life. That's how they make their money. Yeah. I, I just... It's ridiculous. You've like you've said before that you like watching video games because your older brother was a terrible person and would never let you play, so you just got used no. to watching or whatever. <laughs> he was, he That's my paraphrase. That's my paraphrase of your situation. It was just but. like as the younger brother, you're very used to like, oh, you go first, and then like sometimes you never get a turn, and then you're just like, eventually it just becomes like, no, I'd rather watch because Goldeneye scares me because they might jump out and shoot me. Like you know, you just kind of were like getting made fun of for falling down the whatever thing you're not supposed to. I tried to play Halo once and I fell off the plane or whatever after a few minutes into outer space i mean is it the is it the, is it the, yes, non, I, the non-video game p- 
portion of it that they're like is it basically patreon for this podcast but they, they get to watch the podcast or playing a video game while it's happening because it does seem to be about personality yeah i, I mean if it, like so if, if if you think it's it's crazy that um people uh will pay money to watch someone play a video game wait until you find out about this thing called sports <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> i mean that's that's what it boils down to is um it's a more intimate version of watching football uh you have a much more direct connection with a the personality that's playing and you get to watch them do something skillful or, or sometimes not um, but you get to watch them do something that you think is fun often they are much better at it than you and it's fun to watch somebody be really good at something and also to be able to type little chat things to them i mean imagine if like i, I say this is somebody who's zero relationship with any sort of like physical activity but um imagine how cool it would be if like i don't know you're watching like a tennis game and you can type a little message and the tennis player is like hey thanks mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like, yeah. you can see you in real time yeah i mean that's what it boils down to uh we've done uh, live streams uh with queens of adventure we did a live stream to benefit seattle children's hospital we uh, have some live streams that we're planning to do later this year and uh, i think a big part of it is just I like these people. Uh, I, you know, I, there are a lot of streamers that I watch. I like these people. It's fun to see them. Uh, it's fun to say hello and to see them having a good time. And that's that's it. I feel like so I've watched. What did you have me watch? Harmon? Harmon Quest. Harmon Quest. Mm-hmm. And that to me was like one. I think watching a collaborative storytelling game can, at least for me, like feels more like a story that you're all in together versus like, you know, running around in the video game. I don't respond to as much, but like you know, storytelling plus then you have your celebrities that you like that like, then it's kind of funny. Mm. So I've, I feel like I can connect to at least that portion of it and knowing that like, you know, comedy plus storytelling is what I'm interested in. I can find that then I can kind of get into the understanding of, and people that who actually are really passionate about these games, you know, seeing someone do it amazingly mm-hmm. or even terribly and funnily yeah. um, could be a lot of fun. Yeah. It's the strength of the personality. I think that really drives that stuff every child's dream to just get paid to play video games mm-hmm. for a living. Yeah. And yeah. these people are doing it. Well, here's the thing is they're not actually getting paid to play video games. They're being paid to entertain. And the video games are sort of a MacGuffin into that. Uh, yep. It's a thing to do. And it's super relatable because their viewers like to play video games too. But, you know, you can't just go on and play a video game and be popular. You have to have, you have to be on, you have to be a personality, you have to be the kind of person that's engaging and exciting and entertaining that, you know, that people want to watch. Uh, and so I think that accounts for why the figures who are popular or successful in that are successful in that. They are giving people something they want, mm. something fun that they can relate to. Sounds exhausting. <laughs> Patreon.com slash gayish podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a very long ad. Now <laughs> to the podcast episode. <laughs> we put background music behind that whole thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, Mike, did you have something you want to talk about? Um, I wanted to talk about you seem like maybe not did, did you bring something i did i did okay. but but uh it's just the conversation has taken such a different tack than maybe oh. i thought it was going to or, or whatever and and i'm good with that i just i wanted to talk about historically like queer content especially mm-hmm. way back in the day mm-hmm. and a couple of specific examples that i think are interesting uh the first is birdo have you studied sure. the, the the birdo complex figure yeah. brouhaha do you know who i'm talking about doesn't he have a giant thing beak that he spits eggs out through Exactly right. Yep. Birdo is a character that was created for Super Mario 2, the last Mario to appear on the NES, I think. Nope. Mario 3 was on mm-hmm. NES. 
Anyway, so the thing, I'll show you the picture from, from... I don't know any of the complexities about Birdo. So the thing is, in the manual for the game... Oh, thanks, Dan. It's a little cute little pink thing with a big open dick-sucking nose and a red bow on her head. In the, in the first manual, it said Birdo was called Ostro in the very first draft of <laughs> Not it. Not super original names, if we're really... Okay. But it says, he thinks he is a girl. And he spits eggs from his mouth. He'd rather be called Burdetta. Hmm. And that began this whole long legacy of, is Birdo trans? Is Birdo the first trans character in video games? And was it intentional? When did this, this happen? Was, when is this game? Um, 87, I think. Yeah, okay. 80, 80, 88. This is 88. 87, yeah. 88. Okay. That zone. And so... I was just thinking the like the phrase wants to be a girl like nowadays that is something that like would be very like well you wouldn't phrase it that way yeah exactly but in the 80s there's still like at that time there's still even Mm -hmm. people we may call trans today that you know would call themselves transsexual or transvestite or all these different words so I was trying to figure out how if that was that for use of the phrase was like you know socially relevant at the time or terrible and it seems like more well, and especially in the 80s, all of this is being filtered through a Japanese to English translation, which was just oh. all our all your base are belong to us tells us <laughs> just how awful of, of, of a process that could be sometimes. But uh, it, she she he is also th- an enemy. There's that mm. that the gay person is always the villain. The mm-hmm. queer the queer character is always the villain thing that we've seen in our discussions about movies. Mm-hmm. Later versions of Mario games that had Birdo in it, they refer to her as her so it's only in that first game where they are referring to her as he and that he wants to be a girl so there's even this whole like fan fiction theory about (laughs) birdo had gender reassignment surgery and it's highly unlikely that any of this is actually intended by nintendo no no, no. I, I think um, Birdo is just too problematic a figure for to really be looked at uh, in in a warm light. <laughs> uh, it, it, the the phrasing in the manual, the um, translation issues. I, I believe Ostro was actually it was an error that uh, the name Ostro was attached to Birdo. It was never supposed to be. It was supposed to be a different character. At this point, it, it's just too messy. I think to look at and, and plus Nintendo's insistence now that Birdo is just. A lady character and that's the end of the story hmm. uh I, I think we have you know like i was saying earlier i think we have better headcanon now than the company is willing to provide so let's just go with that yeah hmm. that's interesting because you've like even like mistakes or something that someone like plugs in there are, are opportunities if people are connecting to it to expand on it and grow it and make it part of it like weird connection like subaru mm-hmm. was like oh lesbians actually love our car so let's start advertising to them and donate to LGBT stuff. And yeah. like, there's ways to take things that weren't intentional and then turn them into a really positive thing. Yeah. Nintendo is still doing a pretty poor job at it. Um, mm. There was just an issue where they have a uh, power up for Toadette that I may have this like a little bit backwards, but I believe they have a crown that Toadette can get that turns her into Peachette, uh, where she's um, a more human looking version of Toadette. And so there was, a, but it also looks like Peach. It's sort of a mix of, Toadette and Peach. And so there was some interest online of like, well, what if Bowser put the crown on? Would Bowser like become like a peachy version of Bowser? (laughs) And so Nintendo, after this happened, Nintendo put something out online where they were talking like some supplemental thing about the crown where they were like, uh, it only works on Toadette. And then in parentheses, sorry, Luigi. 
Like, what is that Sorry, Luigi supposed to mean? And so people took that to, you know, and ran with it. And they're like, oh, now that means Luigi is trans. Luigi wants <laughs> to to express as a woman. And, you know, I th- I'm i happy about that head, Kenyan. Like, my interpretation was Luigi has a crush on uh, Bowsette, who we're calling Bowsette. Uh, and Luigi was hoping that Bowser would uh, become more feminine presenting. I don't know. This is all my own story. But uh, I, it's, it's mine and I own it. <laughs> Hasn't... I don't know where I'm getting this from, so if it's just fucking invented, you'll have, you'll have to, like, tell me. And hasn't Luigi always, like, had gay rumors and been made fun of for it? I feel like that was a thing from, like, way early on. Is Luigi the Robin of the Mario Brothers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the tall, goofy one. I'm trying to, like, connect these things to things I understand, so... He's uh, uh, taken a sort of a sidekick role to Mario. I mean, it, it kind of sucks that they're like the Mario brothers. And it's like, so does that mean he's Luigi Mario? Like, is that mm-hmm. his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, so poor Luigi has always been sort of like the hapless sidekick. And so, you know, especially when you look back at like Birdo, like you were saying, like when it came out in 86 or what was it? 87, 88. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a time when doing anything that was like genderqueer, like certainly served to other someone in a way that felt villainous. And so like, oh, they're, you know, not conforming to a traditional gender roles. That means they must be bad or creepy or weird. So I, I think it's easy to align or e- at least easier ish to align Luigi the underdog as like and he's gay or mm-hmm. you know just something mm-hmm. like that you know he's got all these misfortunes because he's also presented as being kind of a scaredy cat because in, in in luigi's mansion when he's like being scared by ghosts so there are i think you could draw some venn diagrams of uh queer signifiers and luigi signifiers mm-hmm. <laughs> luigi signifiers yeah. i like that yeah he's kind of like the, the pansy character in luigi's mansion even though it's named for him but he's like so scared of those ghosts mm-hmm. yep Yep, absolutely. I didn't even know he had a mansion. Yep. Good for him. <laughs> today's well. real estate prices. Yeah. Well, how about how about other examples? Like one thing yeah. one thing I have to talk about is uh the end of the original Metroid. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And how I think although not specifically queer that that had a lot to say about our assumptions about gender and what it means and 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 who you really can be. Do you know what can I'm you... talking about? Nope. So, Metroid Metroid, you're in this like power suit and you go around uh, and you're kicking ass and you, power, you get power top, ups and power you, bottom. you kill you kill Metroids and you're after um, Mother Brain, who is the the big bad of the series. And then you go through it. And Are you making this up right now? No. This all sounds like, okay, you get power ups and beat a brain. Okay. At the very end of the game, you take your helmet off. And these long flowing Ooh. locks of red hair come out and you shake your head. You've been a woman the whole time. Oh, and you had and uh, Dan is showing me the very sexy mm, red hair, very practical outfit, yeah. <laughs> bikini clad lady that, but the, oh, and then up top is that like what you look armor, like? Yeah. But there's a oh, whole, usually, okay. there's a whole generation of Nintendo playing cis straight men out there who I think would have that in their head as a really powerful indicator that that you can't assume and Mm. that oh my god i was a chick the whole time and i'm okay it's okay for that (laughs) to have been the case because the game was still fun yeah Um, i I also think that uh, there's something a little bit problematic about that in the way that it's framed as uh, you only get that ending if you do like really well in the game that's like your reward for like you know accomplishing everything and so presenting a female body as a trophy uh, is an ongoing issue with video games so Mm. Unless I'm, unless I'm mistaken, you mean the when she takes everything off and yes, is super yes. naked. Yeah. 
you're right. If you get if you get less than awesome and you just finish the game, she takes off her helmet and nothing else. So regardless of which ending you get, it's made clear that you were a female the whole time. Mm. And then you're right. It's super problematic that if you make all the points, then you get to see her naked, which that's just bro-y bullshit. <laughs> but yeah, it is um, exciting that we did have Samus like back then to be at least a not just a um, strong female character, but also a character that challenged uh, assumptions. Mm-hmm. So good for that. And, and I think we, we do even better now. But I mean, that, like just reminds me of like in history and I don't even have a specific example of like when women were trying to make it in a male field, like having to pretend to be like the, the way we have a strong female character. <laughs> she literally covers herself up so no one can see that she's female. Mm, yep. So they'll play it. So that feels like very relevant. Or yeah. Yeah. I mean, if she had been, if been advertised, if you had like a lady hero on the cover, like if you had like a figure like Ray, for example, on the cover, uh, I think at the time there would have been a lot of uh, dissatisfaction with that. And I think even today, like, I, I don't know, it's actually getting better because you have like Laura Croft, for example, is not the triangle boobed figure that she was <laughs> right, right. 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. Really? 20? Yeah, I guess. A little more. Yikes. Uh, now she's presented as a much more um, uh, complex figure mm. uh, in, in the newer games. And great. Mm. That's awesome. Other early examples, like I have not good ones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't research this. What? Well, one that a little more recent, uh, The Sims, to me was a video game that I connected with that then also had the ability to like do all these interactions yeah. with another dude. And I was, can get pregnant in The Sims now. You can't wait. Who can't? Like men and, can. Men can. Yes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. Um, I haven't played in a while. I like sometimes picked it up on my iPad, but then they're doing the things where like you either pay or wait and then I right. get tired. I remember I started playing that in high school and then all of a sudden heard that, well, the gay kid in high school really likes The Sims. So that was one of the first times like my brother's friends like joked about, well, I better watch out because I might be gay. Hmm. Yeah. And I think I was reading like it, like they were worried about like, no, like men aren't even going to play this game. And then like started realizing that there are like other people out there that play video games that aren't mm-hmm. like cis straight white dudes. Um, so that's one that I can actually connect with that. Like it's less of like, I don't like games where I like go around and shoot people. Cause that scares me. There's very few jump scares in the Sims. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe when you catch the fish, sometimes you reel it in and that surprises me. But other you than that, like, uh, you might like animal crossing. You might like uh, stardew Valley. Okay. Valley is great. You'll games. hate it. Okay. <laughs> I well, I also don't like things where you like pick up blocks and chisel them and then make a house out of them. You don't and like, like crafting games and <laughs> what? Do you might like Hearthstone. It's kind of Magic the Gathering, but cute. I played Magic the Gathering growing up. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Hearthstone's fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. It, any final final sentiments on gamers? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for them. Uh, I'm in so, favor. We, okay. We, yeah. I, I do too. Resolved. Mike, are you supportive? <laughs> do you support <laughs> queer people playing video games? Yes. Go oh, good. Yes. Go have fun. Right. I'm also supportive of tricking straight people into playing queer characters. <laughs> <laughs> tricking straight people is funny. Um, yeah. Do you want to take a break? Yeah. Let's take a break. <laughs> let's take a break. <laughs> let's take a break and you play a game. seem to be very like... Yeah, let's take a break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. Sorry, are we back? We're back. 
<laughs> we take silly breaks that we don't know why we do it, but we're committed now. We're 100 plus in and we're committed. Um, we're going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest, but first. Uh, Matt Baum. Hi. What do you... Hi. <laughs> Where can people find out about you? So, uh, best place to follow all my various exploits is on Twitter. It's just my name, twitter.com slash Matt Baum, M-A-T-T-B-A-U-M-E. And that's got all my stuff, but you can also go to... My various projects. So there is Queens of Adventure, uh, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast featuring drag queens playing D&D, going on adventures and being super queer. Uh, that's at queensofadventure.com. There's uh, my podcast, The Sewers of Paris, where I talk to queer people about entertainment that's changed their lives. Uh, I had Dan Savage on. I had Bruce Valanche on, which was very fun. We <laughs> talked about the Star Wars holiday special, which he wrote. Uh, we had a bunch of um, drag race girls come through. Uh, and then we just had uh, regular folks uh, pop by to talk about their lives. Oh, I just did an interview with Indigo Blue, who's a local um, burlesque performer and teacher, uh, talking all about like her background, like uh, basically putting herself through school as a stripper, um, getting her anthropology degree in permeable and semi-permeable boundaries in uh, sex work. Uh, so wow. she's fascinating. Wow. Uh, we didn't even talk about her time uh, in uh, leading a lesbian resistance movement in Kenya. Uh, so <laughs> she's a deeply, deeply interesting person. Anyway, that's it. Sewersofparis.com. Uh, what else have I got? Oh, gosh. Uh, over on YouTube, I've got Culture Cruise, where I do these like deep dives um, looking at queer themes in uh, TV shows and in movies. I just did one about Murphy Brown. Murphy Brown had two gay episodes uh, back in the 90s and a gay-ish storyline uh, in the reboot. So I literally like take like clips and do sort of like talking about him. And I'm like, look at this great joke from Murphy Brown. It's actually a joke that they stole from Frasier uh, three years earlier. Uh, and, you know, I'll play like, uh, you know, put gay clips side by side and talk about like what the cultural context was at the time, what was happening in the news. Um, I'm about to put up an episode of uh, about Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap had an episode about gays in the military in 1992, but yep. because the show was set in the past, it was set in 1964, but really it was about gays in the military when the show was made in 1992. Yeah. Yeah, he also uh, would leap into the bodies of women, of women for fairly, time, yeah. fairly, fairly regularly. Yeah. And that was an interesting thing for the, for to be on TV. At, and once at that into stage. the body of a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> legit. No. It was a dumb show. <laughs> was it was it a monkey or was it an ape? It was technically a chimpanzee. <laughs> we we need to really get specific on yeah. this this issue a, right here. Was it a bone bone? Bonobo. bonobo. <laughs> um so that's Culture Cruise, that's on YouTube. You can just search for Matt Baum Culture Cruise. And then I've got Weekly Debrief, which is a weekly roundup of queer news. Uh, like two, two, three minutes. Uh, I talk about major headlines. And then uh, there's an action item for things people can do to make a difference. Awesome. So kind of like just get on the internet. Yeah, and I'm there. Probably You'll find, find me eventually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, for Gayish. Our website is gayishpodcast.com. Um, join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash gayish podcast and a bunch of other social media at gayish podcast. Uh, our hotline, you can send us text messages, leave us voicemails, dick pics are allowed. It's 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rates apply. Allowed. Also, Mike tends to encourage them, so yeah, we'll it, see. To limited success. <laughs> and our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com. All right, so we're going to do our gayest and straightest. Uh, Matt, do you want to go first? Sure. So this is something like super gay about me? Yeah, okay, and then yeah. something super straight about you. Yeah. Uh, there's not much. Uh, no, <laughs> so um, I, I gave a lot of thought to this. Um, I literally uh, just uh, finished the scarf, knitting the scarf that I'm wearing right now. Oh. I was like, that's kind of gay. But um, 
I think one of the like most stereotypically queer things that I do is like my obsession with like weird media and like camp basically like Uh campy culture uh i'm just obsessed with we were talking about this earlier uh, off mic like bad movies Mm -hmm. or strange commercials from the 1970s uh or like divas of the 1940s you know (laughs) that episode of the simpsons where john waters shows up and he's like really into like weird campy stuff what did you call that what ephemera culture uh, yeah ephemera ephemera Uh, cultural ephemera uh, so yeah, I just love that stuff. Like, um, I'm really into, there's this great commercial for a perfume or men's, what is it called? It's a uh, cologne, uh, that was, uh, stars Charles Bronson, action hero of the sixties, I think seventies, eighties. And this, we're going like deep down a rabbit hole here, but <laughs> it was directed by, uh, Nobuhiku Obayashi, uh, who the director of the movie house, a Japanese film that we're talking about. So he made this commercial, uh, stars, stars, Charles Bronson. It's like the super manly cologne and it's so campy and stupid and over the top. It's made in like 75 or so. Um, and it has Charles Bronson, like stripping his shirt or like just tearing his shirt off and spinning and like throwing the shirt off to the side and then just like dousing himself in this cologne like he's about to set himself on fire with me. Um, and with each like shake of the bottle over his body there's like the sound of a gunshot oh god it's so like stupidly over the top and I just love stuff like that um, I'm really into uh, Lauren Bacall's um, coffee commercials from the 80s um, where she like she oh, it's so good she like turns to the camera and she goes my favorite time of day is night I just love <laughs> curling up with a hot cup of uh, what is it high point high point coffee uh, you think uh, you think uh, nighttime and coffee don't mix and they do if it's a high point <laughs> high point has flavor deep brewed flavor anyway it goes on and on and on it's, it's just stupid 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 commercial uh, I just like it can't be can't be weird stupid stuff that you find on YouTube holes. Uh, that's that's my world. My favorite <laughs> time of day is night. Yeah, it's such a good line. <laughs> oh god, she's got another one. She's like running out of a building to a limo. She's got like a fur coat on, and she like she's hustling out of the doors of this like luxury building into a limousine, and she stops and turns to the camera. And she goes, "Rushing for an eight p.m. curtain means giving up a lot of things, but coffee isn't one of them." <laughs> and she gets into the limousine, and she's got like a full craft services carafe of coffee. Like she's gonna be serving like sixty. Teamsters out of her limousine and she's just like pumping the top and pouring mug after mug of high point fucking coffee it is amazing uh, I just I, I love this stuff so much yeah. okay wait that was your gayest yeah. you have to do a straightest now yeah and so my straightest thing uh, this is a hard one for me because I don't have much you um, yeah. I don't like to see or be seen by heterosexuals, but uh, I am fairly handy with like fix it stuff. So um, like uh, my uh, partner um, is horrified by this, but like I grow food and he's like, I'm not going to eat that. A bug might have walked on it. <laughs> but like, we, you know, we've got a little garden out there and there's centipedes in the garden. He's like terrified, not terrified, but he's like grossed out by the fact that like there's centipedes like crawling on the strawberries and that kind of thing. Uh, I changed, I, I, I fixed a lamp and like took off the fixture and like rewired it and took it apart and put it back together again that kind of stuff and um i feel like there's a lot of uh uh, gays who don't love to do like you know i can change the spark plugs on a car that kind of thing and i think there's a stereotype that gays don't do that but uh but i do but but (laughs) (laughs) that yeah that that's all of the like this section is just like we're not supposedly not supposed to do this stuff but here we are yeah well, I'll go into mine then. Okay. Here I am dressing like shit. That's one of my, I, I have not used this in a while, but I was doing my laundry and because I 
like everyone else, wait until I'm like, oh, I don't have any clothes currently to wear. Or mm-hmm. I'll have to go into like the back and do the things that don't fit or are overly dressy. So I started doing my wash and I was like picking out the things that I just wanted. And it was like, okay, black t-shirt, black t-shirt, blue t-shirt, blue t-shirt, this old, you know, thing from that high school thing that I don't care about, but this t-shirt is comfy. And it was just like the stack of things that were most important to me mm-hmm. were just t-shirts and athletic shorts. And that would not be the stereotype of what you'd think a gay man's most important wardrobe items are. At D&D last week, you told us you only own one pair of shorts, and now I just, I can't unsee them. Like you, I have, Did I? I own two. Oh, two. Okay, that's way better. That's, it's double the amount that you thought. <laughs> well. Well, why... I just because I like them. But you're always in shorts, right? Exactly. So that means you're always in the same shorts. Yeah. Well, the same two pairs. <laughs> My mind is blown. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Maybe I'll just keep <laughs> buying more versions of the same shorts. <laughs> Whatever works. Um. In what not to wear, Stacey and Clinton did say that buying multiple versions of like colors of the same item, like a lot of people would be like, "That's so bad." They just have the same thing, but they recommended it. So. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. That's not the straightest thing about me. But the gayest thing about me was um, I went to a friend's birthday party and we played some uh, games like Pictionary and that, those kind of mm-hmm. games. And uh, like several of the games we chose were like it was a mixture gay and straight people. And the games, though, were all like dirty games, mm-hmm. like dirtier versions of games. And I feel like there's something about like when you're gay, it's just like understood that you're cool with like super like explicit or sexual or dirty games and that like for me if you've listened to this at all you know that's i'm totally down and that's (laughs) funny but like not just that association is really interesting that people have like not every gay person would want to walk into a birthday party and draw like an orgy to get their team to guess it or you know what have you um so that's the gayest thing um okay uh so the straightest thing about me this week uh the bar down here at the bottom of the hill the dexter brew house yeah the mollusk uh they just they lost their fight with their landlord over rent increases and they're closing february 1st next week oh no it went they went from just like open in my favorite place to yeah, fucking closed it's, they have in, a great burger yeah their burger is great they've been improving so much anyway i just i feel like the level of sadness that I have about a bar going away <laughs> feels very straight guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, you, you can cry when your mom dies or your dog dies or you lose your bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, it's just, it feels, it feels pretty straight guy to be so up in arms about this bar going away. Are, maybe they'll have like a, you know, like when at the end of like a donut shop when they're like closing up and they give out the donuts oh. like maybe they'll like be handing out beer by the end i just come home with growler after growler of beer <laughs> yeah. That'd be great you yeah. just cheered me up kyle yeah. thanks <laughs> it's also very gay for a bar to close <laughs> i mean like so many gay bars are going out of business so there you go oh that's it's true. true i didn't think about that yeah. <laughs> let's bring it down yeah we're gonna chip in and buy neighbors that's our new big plan oh yeah oh yeah that's One, going up for sale just yeah. nickels and dimes ought to do it right what was that it was like <laughs> I, I, I can't remember the numbers. It was like 3.6 million for that building. Almost 7 million. Oh, okay, good. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, that's achievable. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. If we get <laughs> like you build? 700 people, um, maybe just keep it neighbors. Yeah. Why not? Expand the, the alley for dick sucking or something. Except I, I've heard that neighbors is like, I haven't been in a long time, which is maybe the point. And <laughs> that it's just, it's filled with straight people now. 
Oh, like Amazon Tech Bros have descended on it. It's, it's got its nights. Uh, I just went to the rugby team, did a fundraiser uh, that was all drag. Um, Irene Dubois does an all ages show on Thursday nights, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's got its nights. But yeah, um, you know, every, we're, we're, I think um, Seattle's neighborhood is in the process of transitioning from Capitol Hill to uh, a new location that uh, the straight people uh, don't need to know about yet. Okay. Yep. <laughs> We're not Un- revealing undis- it on air. closed <laughs> neighborhood. Defeat the purpose. We need to get established first. I did at Neighbors meet uh, an artist I really like, Curly, K-E-R-L-I. She's amazing. And I she like performed and I was obsessed and she walked by and I was like, I love you. And she was like, thank you. And then kept going because she was like, who's this crazy person? You're so chill about things. I am so <laughs> awkward when I meet people, especially like people that are just, fancy. And I'm just, like, hello. <laughs> I, I, I like you kind of get see okay bye and then they're walking away um <laughs> wait what was your oh yeah other thing the gayest thing about me this week uh i watched every single episode of sex education the, oh. the netflix show um it's real good Gillian anderson is in it and it took me like until the second episode to realize that it was her because she's british and her accent is amazing and hmm. she's perfect and wonderful and i love her um and uh yeah, but the the gayest part is not that I binge watched a show, but that maybe I did it because pretty much uh, the the whole first episode has this running thing about like this kid's gigantic penis, and they just by the end actually it's it's kind of sad because he goes on this whole like I want to be known for more than just having a massive dong and like he's having real like feelings about it because he's also the principal's son which is a big source of drama for him anyway they uh, there's also a uh, a gay black kid in it that um, they they really follow him and his story uh, well I thought and his parents are immigrants to the UK from like I think it was South Africa, they said. So there's the cultural differences between between where they had come from and where they are now. And him, he gets beat up and they have the whole drama about that. And then the main character, Asa Butterfield, um, he and this kid, Eric, are just best friends. And they never talk about the fact that one of them is gay. Mm. It's just they're best friends and that's how it is. And they never approached the, I think awkward tropey um storyline of eric has feelings for him yeah uh, it just ne- they they don't go there which is how mm. i think it works in real life a lot of times right yeah. like yeah yeah straight people and gay people can be friends it's fine <laughs> yeah um i think jillian anderson like i think lesbians love her really I, oh yeah 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 um, and scully did a lot for, yeah. <laughs> yeah queer women yeah 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 i've just seen some of my groups people posting about like if, if I wasn't already into Jillian Anderson, here's sex education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's real good in it. Yeah. She's wonderful. Okay. Great. That's it. That's it. Uh, this has been Gayish. A special thank you, as always, to Charlie Finn for the use of our theme music. And thank you to Matt Bone for being here. Thank Thanks you so much. This was super fun. Uh, very educational. A lot Yay. of things I need to catch up on. Yes. <laughs> There's your homework. Yeah. Um, thank you to Nintendo? We talked yes, about them a lot. Sure, but they didn't. They sound like they're not super down. So fucking <laughs> Nintendo. Let's say thanks to Bioware. Bioware is the Great. company that made Mass Effect and Dragon Age, and they did they yeah. did a lot for gays in the in media. <laughs> a lot for gays in games. So Bioware. Thanks, to thanks Bioware. Bioware. Then did EA buy them? Yep. And then EI bought them and ruined them. Well, where this, uh, <laughs> that story hasn't been written, but uh, it, it's it's been written about other companies many times before. So uh, mm. well, they can't take. But you know what? 
They can't take our headcanon from us. <laughs> there you go. Thanks to the headcanon. They cannon. can't buy the headcanon. There's no price on that. And thanks to head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, that's it. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. See you next week. Go play a game. Right now. Okay. Stop, <laughs> st- stop listening and go play a video game. Stop it. And hear me as I will sing. Hey, and by the way, do you hear what your words bring? Oh. But okay, my asshole. My it's mine. My asshole. My, no mine. My asshole. Okay, great.